back with you this Sunday. Uh, Katie and I find ourselves flying all over the country to see our kids and our grandkids. And when we go there, it's, I mean, it's a great, it's wonderful, but we come back exhausted. You know, the grandparents know what I'm talking about. And my daughters always say, hey, dad, since you're here, can you paint this? Can you build this? You know, I'm not, I love doing it. But uh, this past week, uh, my wife and I got away for our 36th uh, wedding anniversary, and we had time just for us, and it was absolutely, absolutely uh, glor- just glorious. And I want to challenge you, if you're married, you got to always be investing in your marriage. Always be investing in your marriage. That's why we have a marriage conference coming in October. Got to be there. If you're engaged, sign up. If you want to get married someday, sign up. Take some notes. Um, But you always got to be investing in your marriage. And before I begin, just remember that uh, if you're, especially if you're watching online, the the 9 o'clock service will stay at 9, but then we're moving to 10.30, to 10.30. So I'll be watching, especially those in the room in the next, next hour, see how many show up at 10.45 next Sunday. I'm going to go, uh, hello, hello. Um, but anyways, it's so great. I don't know if you saw, um, shared on our social media, but we've been praying that God would provide a way for Pepe to, our, our new children's ministry director, to get her visa. Uh, she's from Zimbabwe, and she is absolutely amazing. After five months, she has her visa. And today, today she is downstairs for the very first time. So it's an absolute huge, huge prayer request. So excited about Pepe. Um, well, if you're joining us, we're in this series called How Sweet the Sound. I mean, we, 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 we talk, we've been talking about, we're wrapping it up today, about the best songs have a backstory. There, there's a, there's a, a reason, there's a dedication, there's an experience that something happened, and they write the story, and that's, that's why it's sometimes most powerful songs, because there is a powerful backstory. And if we understand what the story is, the song has more meaning. And we love new songs here. We, we just, we've been learning some as we're kind of ramping up to our night of worship in a couple weeks. But to where we, what we've been doing is taking a look. Today is the fourth classic hymn, telling the backstory and then looking at the theology of, of that song. And so we've done Amazing Grace. And so many people came out like, I, I had no idea the history, the story behind Amazing Grace and how... How the, how the tune that we have came from the, uh, from the slaves in the South who adopted it as their own. And we had How Great Thou Art, faked a lot of you out because I t- called it O Store Goo. That's the sweetest poem name. Some of you thought it was something else, and I got finally at the end, you're like, Oh, How Great Thou Art. That's, I love that song. Powerful. And then last week, Bob did a great job of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So today, our, our final hymn starts with the author, um, Horatio. G. Um, Spafford. Uh, he, in the 1860s, was a very successful and wealthy lawyer in Chicago. He loved Jesus passionately. And during the 1860s, if you know what was going on during that time, he was passionate about the abolition of slaves, freeing slaves. And he put his money where his mouth was, super involved with that. And, but he was very successful, he, had, he was married, he had five little kids, one son, four girls, and, and he owned tons of real estate along Lake Michigan, there in Chicago area. Very wealthy man, very godly man. And in 1870, his son died of pneumonia. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking. As the saying goes, parents should never 
have to outlive their child. And he had to bury his son. A year later was the great fire of Chicago that wiped everything out, the whole city. And he lost all of his real estate buildings in one night. But he had, still had some money, so what he did as a, as a Christ follower, he fed and clothed thousands of people that, were, that had nothing, nothing to eat, no clothes to wear. A couple years later, two years later, he had this desire just to get away, get some rest with his wife and his four girls, and they were going to go to Europe. Part of the reason, not only for rest, is that he was connected to the famous evangelist called D.L. Moody, who was going to have a revival in England. He was a part of some board connected to D.L. Moody, and he wanted to go to England to be a part of that revival. And so they were getting ready to go on a ship, and right before the ship took, up, took off to sail across the Atlantic, he got some emergency business news that he needed to stay, so he sent his wife and his four daughters off. He says, I'll catch the next ship leaving, Chicago, leaving this area uh, for England, but I have to deal with this, and he sent them off. On November 22nd, out in the Atlantic, the, the ship that his wife and daughters were on collided with another ship, and in 12 minutes, it sunk. 12 minutes, it sunk. Uh, the, the, out of 307 passengers and crew, only 80 survived. And when another ship came in that area, after the distress sounds and signals uh, came to the area, they found them, the survivors, hanging on to the wreckage that was floating. And here is the actual cable, Western Union cable, that his wife sent to Horatio. Saved alone. What shall I do? And she gave him, said, I'm, I'm going to be here somewhere in Paris and waiting for your reply. Saved alone. When Horatio got this news, he did whatever he could, he left immediately, and he told the captain, he says, as we get near the area that my four daughters perished, could you let me know? I'd like to come out on deck. And so he got the knock on, the, on his, in his room, and, and this captain said, we're, we're getting close to the area, you asked to, to be brought out. So he walked there, and he saw in the general area where his four daughters, as a dad of three daughters, I, I, it's, I can't even comprehend what emotions he must have been experiencing. He already buried a son. And he, he was there and then went back to his room and took out some stationery and he actually wrote, here's the actual stationery, and he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, me, me, uh, roll meaning sorrows keep coming, and coming, and coming. When, whatever my lot, thou, God, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You cannot write this if you are not anchored in a faith in God through Jesus Christ. You cannot, I mean, he was, not that, not that he, he was devastated. 
Him and his wife were devastated. But the, he's mentioned my soul. That means to the very innermost part of us. That is that, that part where we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he was anchored when he's facing sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. He could write something like this. Now, the truth is that you and I maybe have not lost all of our children if you are a parent. But all of us have suffered loss. All of us have suffered pain, suffering, injustice, unfairness. Uh, we, all of us have been to the point, I'm, I'm, including myself, where we question God. Been there a number of times. We ask God, why? Why me? Why, take, why did you take them? Where were you, God? I've asked all those questions. All of us have, have suffered loss. And that's, that's one of the reasons why Jesus came is because all of pain is rooted in our sin or someone else's sin. And that's why Jesus came, to pay the price of sin. The best part of heaven, I love teaching the series on heaven, the best part of heaven, no more sin. Forever and ever and ever. But one of the things I really appreciate about God, that this statement is true, that it is okay to not be okay. If you ever find yourself around someone who calls himself a Christian or a church that calls himself a church, and they expect you to not lack, act like you have any problem, run. Okay? That's not reality. What I love about this is God, is, God understands that it is okay when we're not okay. That when we're hurting, when we're confused, when we're angry at God, the cool thing is God's big enough God to handle our raw honesty and raw emotion. I'm so glad because I, could, I should have been hit by lightning from God a thousand times. Because <laughs> I'm driving my car and I am venting to God and asking those questions. You know, it is okay to not be okay. Horatia was not okay with losing five children. But because his soul was anchored in a faith in God through Jesus Christ, he could write this amazing song, It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul. And some of you, you're not okay right now. And you know, it's okay to not be okay. You've come into a place, you join us online to a church that is filled with a whole group of us that are not okay with things in life, in the world, on the stupid news. I'm not okay with so many things. Some of you are really not okay because you're, you're in a marriage that's suffering and you've been struggling for a long time. Maybe you, you have lost something. You've lost a job. You've lost income. You've lost a dream. You've lost hope. You've lost a relationship. And you're not okay. It's okay to not be okay. But do you have a faith that's anchored to God through Christ? Without that, you, you will be engulfed with every storm and you will sink. But a faith in Christ will keep us anchored and stay afloat. Not because of our strength, but because of his strength. Here's the central point. 
is this, is God is still present in the middle of my storm. God is still present in the middle of my storm. That when Horatio went out to that spot, I mean, again, as a parent, I can't comprehend what he was feeling, but I can guarantee you it was a dark place, just be, not because it was night out, but it was a dark place because of all the hopes and dreams are gone as a parent. But he knew in the presence of his storm, in the presence of his crisis, in the presence of his pain, God was right there. Now, don't jump to the wrong conclusion. You think, well, God is silent, therefore he's not present. No. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's not present. That is where faith comes in. And there's been so many times God is silent for a while, but his presence is still there. It is, God is still present in the middle of, of my storm. We're going to look at, at two verses today. I'm going to have them on the screen. You can write them down. You can follow them in your Bible if you want. These are great, great, great verses that really help us in times of crisis. The first one is written by David in Psalm 34. See, David's speaking from experience. It's not just head knowledge, church talk, temple talk for him. It's like the Lord is close because he knew it from experience. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. David was brokenhearted. He was broken out of his own sin, what his sin did to other people, harmed and killed them. But he's also under, he understood that God saves those who are crushed in their spirit. They're crushed. David was crushed by other people, close friends. He had crushed the spirit of other people. And David said from experience that the Lord is close with the brokenhearted. And the Lord saves those who are crushed in their spirit. Then there's Psalm 73, second verse, Psalm 73. But as for me, it is good to be near God. Here, here's the thing. When, when things are good, we walk away from God. When the back, bank account looks sweet, when our health is there, when our loved ones, we're in a nice relationship, things are going good. What happens is us dumb human beings is we drift from God. But then when things happen problems and pain we many times draw us to God. Now you make it even worse when you run away from God in pain. But this author is saying from experience that he has found that it is good to be near God. And then he said this, I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. This is a decision. This is a choice. This is not just some statement, some churchy phrase. This is a statement that, that I, 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 it is good for me to be near God, but I have made, meaning I've made a decision. I have made the sovereign Lord, the sovereign Lord, the one who's in control when life is out of control, which is a lot these days. That I have made a choice that my sovereign Lord is going to be my refuge. My job is not going to be my refuge. My career is not going to be my refuge. My family is not going to be my refuge. My best friend is not going to be my refuge. My bank account, whatever. He said, no, no, no. All those things are fragile. But I've made a choice. The sovereign Lord is going to be who I run to when I don't know what to do. And it's out of this truth that Horatio wrote those powerful words that 
even when sorrow is just beating me up and coming at me and coming at me and coming at me. My sovereign Lord has, has me firmly in his hands. Has me firmly in his hands. Second verse that Horatio wrote in this stateroom, on that piece of paper, he, he writes this. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. Meaning, I have something that is going to control my thoughts, my emotion, my anger, my despair. But he said, though Satan should buffet. Now, if, I know it's, maybe you didn't have breakfast. This is not buffet, okay? Like, eat whatever you want. It, it's buffet. And when I, when I looked up the definition, it means to be, to be hit and hit off course. And it's to be hit repeatedly. And if you've been in this church any length of time, you've heard me say this a number of times, that Satan is a punk. He's a defeated punk, but he's still a punk. You ever went to school with punks? I did. They were looking for someone to hit and to hit off course, and they do it over and over because they think they can get away with it. Sadly, they often got away with it until they met someone bigger and powerful than they were. And then they were whips. That is Satan. And, and Horatio is saying, even though Satan buffets us, man, he hits us, hits us off course. A lot of, he, he wants to hit us so we get off course with our faith with God, and then he keeps coming at us, coming at us. And he says, though that may happen, though trials may come, Jesus said, you're going to have trials in this world. Why? Because we're filled with sin. Everything's corroded with sin. We're going to have trials. We're going to have things that test our faith. Though those things happen... Let this blessed assurance control my heart, my attitude, my emotions, that Christ both regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. Now, how, does, how can you say this as you see the place where your daughters, and, and just the, one of the worst ways to die is drowning. In his, in, his, in his moment of greatest loss, he is reflecting on the greatest gain that he has because of Christ. That even as Satan is buffeting me and I'm going through trials that are overwhelming me, one thing that's keeping me under control is the best thing that ever happened to me, that Christ, he saw me in my worthless, helpless state and he shed his own blood for my soul. This life is not all we have. Because I'm anchored to a faith in God through Jesus Christ, my hope is beyond the grave. My hope is beyond the patheticness of this world. That's why you can write this. That's why he wrote this. Some of you, I'm, I'm not really sure about the point I'm making today, that God is still present in your storm. Why? Because you're in a storm, you can't see him. Some of you are in a storm right now. Some of you just got out of a storm. You're trying to hold yourself together. Some of you don't know that a storm's gonna hit you this week. I don't, I, I'm trying to have some vacation and I, I like being under, understanding what's going on in the world and my heart is broken like yours to see the almost impossible situation our military has been placed in, in Afghanistan. I don't, Anybody get mad this, this week like me? Anybody get mad? In your anger, here's my policy. Never make the evening news. <laughs> it's not handling your anger right. 
But I just started crying out for God, God, rescue the helpless. And then to hear what happened to our military as they were helping people, men and women, reading their stories this week, my goodness. Then to read this morning that there's viable threats against our military even today. With all that craziness, with all the storms, if you have a faith that's anchored to Jesus Christ, you'll understand and believe what Psalm 34 says, that the Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted and he will save those who are crushed in their spirit. You'll understand the reality of what uh, verse 73, uh, Psalm 73 says, but as for me, it is good for me to be near God. It's horrible to be away from God. But I have made a choice that the sovereign Lord will be my refuge. I will tell all of your deeds, God. I have asked to do something a little different than I normally do. I've asked our own Nash Rayborn to come and tell a little bit of his story. As our worship leader, um, I love this man. I love that he is authentic in how he leads worship. They're not just songs. They, they come from his heart. And a couple months ago, remember Nash, I told you in my office, one of these days, I'm gonna ask you to tell your story. <laughs> kind of looked at me like, really? <laughs> and about two months ago, I said, I think, I think this fits. So Nash, before God called you to come to Grace Point about five years ago, what was your storm like? What was going on in your life? Yeah, so when Barry asked me to <clears throat> come and share my testimony, I about had a, a panic attack. Uh, <laughs> I thought, I mean, I tried to keep it cool. I was like, no, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. But inside I was, I was I really, really was dying. Um, and I just, I, I don't like my story. Um, you know, it's tough to be asked, hey, can you come and, and tell about your sin and the consequences of sin in your life. Uh, that sucks. Um, I don't really like talking in public. Uh, you may not think so just because you see me on stage perhaps, but uh, especially when it's about me, I find it really difficult. Um, back uh, before I came to Grace Point in 2016, uh, I, was, uh, I was on the verge of committing suicide myself. Um, I couldn't find a way out of my suffering. And more importantly, I couldn't find a way out of the suffering that I caused others in my life. Uh, I was an abused abuser. And it's not an uncommon story uh, necessarily. Um, but I didn't know how to deal with my reality. I didn't know how to find healing, find freedom uh, from the things that I continued to do uh, in my life. Uh, I hurt a lot of people. Um, I have abused people in every way. I don't want to skim over that. I have abused uh, a lot of people. And uh, I mean, I hate that. I hate that I've hurt people. 
I'm going to read this here. <laughs> I'm not going to make it through. Uh, it's important you understand what I was before you can understand what God did to set me free. What I wanted, I took. And if I didn't get it, I acted grossly out of proportion with the situation I was in. It's called intermittent rage disorder. And I would just explode in a rage. I abused my wife, I abused my kids. I was married previously, got divorced with one kid. It was my fault. I had many broken relationships in my life. Got remarried three years later to my wife Carly. By the grace of God, we're still married today. We are close to getting a divorce as I continue to abuse her. And one day in 2015, I, just, I was on a construction site in Port Orchard. I was working as a, as a concrete mason. I built foundations and did flat work. And I just heard so clearly from God, you aren't listening to me. And I said, no, duh. <laughs> All right, tell me something I don't know. Uh, things aren't going well. And so what am I supposed to do? Well, I took my tool bags off and I walked over to my truck and I knelt down at the door and I began to pray the best that I knew how at the time. And I said, God, I, I would have to quit work to do that well. A quick side note, I don't, I don't moderate input versus output very well. And so uh, those who know me well know that when I get captivated by something, I, I, I can't let it go. Um, and so God knew me really well. And he wanted me to be captivated by him. And so I just prayed. I said, God, if, if you want me to do this, then have my wife tell me to quit my job. She's on the verge of leaving me anyway, and perhaps rightfully so. I can't tell her I'm quitting to find God. And I thought, gotcha. There's no way. There's no way, right? Two hours later, my wife and I are driving in the car, and she says out of nowhere, I think God is calling you to walk away from your job and to find him. This was the most direct answer to prayer I had ever experienced in my entire life. So I quit <laughs> immediately. And for a year and a half, all I did with my time is pursue him. I had lots of questions. Who is God? Right? I had an idea, but I wanted to know. Does he care for me? Where is he? Because I had a lot of questions that I couldn't answer. Why am I the way that I am? Why do I continue to suffer? Why do I continue to inflict suffering on others? Uh, for a long time, I struggled to hear anything from God at all. Um, I thought, well, let me back up a little bit. For that year and a half, I, I read everything. I read the Quran, I read the Hadith, I read the Midrash, I read the Talmud, I read uh, anything, extra biblical texts, I, re I read uh, Buddhism, Hinduism. I was really, long story short, Jesus is God. And I came to find and believe truly. Yeah. 
And so now that I knew who I should be praying to, I said, all right, Jesus, it's me and you now. I don't have much left. I don't have much hope for my life. My future wasn't looking very good. I should have been in jail for my behavior. And I said, God, I need you. I would spend hours and hours a day, hours at night on my knees in our shed, just on the concrete praying, just desperate, just saying, God, help me, help me. Where are you? Because I don't see you, I keep doing the same things over and over. I knew that my mother and my father were abusers. Uh, I was beaten a lot, you know, I was kicked, punched, thrown downstairs, you name it, I was probably hit with it. Um, I was verbally abused, told that I was going to be an abuser, that I was gonna abuse my wife, that I was gonna abuse my kids, that I was gonna cheat on my wife, that it was my fault, that I was stupid, that I was pathetic. But I thought that I had forgiven all those things. I thought, that doesn't seem like, I mean, why would I have this much rage over that? Like, I'm grown. I should, I should be good now. Right? I'm on this path. I'm trying to find Jesus. But something, I just, I just couldn't find what it was. And I, and I continued to spiral. And I said, God, either save me or kill me. I, I was at times screaming to God. Save me or kill me. Without your mercy, I am nothing. Is there none left for me? Because if there's none left for me, then just kill me. If I'm going to hell anyway, let's do it. Let's do it right now because I don't know what else to do. I'm calling out for you. I'm calling out for you, and I, I, I can't find you. I've read your word. I've invested my time. I'm still doing the same things. I don't know how to help myself. And Satan was right there the whole time, reminding me of everything I had ever done. And he said so clearly so many times, or kill yourself. And I just, I remember in that moment, I was broken, I was screaming and crying. I paused and I felt peace. And I said, he said that he loved me. He said that he cares for me. He said that I was worth dying for. He said he's the good shepherd. And that if I believe in him, I would be saved. And I said to Satan, I said, I believe him. I believe him. I don't, I don't feel saved. I don't feel free from suffering. But I believe him. What else do I have? <laughs> Jesus is my only hope. And I remember in that moment, Something began to shift. My brain began to contort in my mind. And it was like this black door began to open. And I immediately began to regret asking God to set me free. <laughs> he had 
opened a door that I had sealed away 23 years prior. I had been tortured and raped repeatedly by a male neighbor from six to eight years old, and my mind blacked it out. Until this very moment when I relived all of that trauma all at once. And every receptor in my body just felt like it was happening right then. And the crazy thing is, is I didn't feel afraid. I didn't feel angry. I felt free. I said, God, thank you. I'm not free in my circumstances. I'm not free in my, in my, uh, my body, physically, emotionally. I'm still suffering, but I feel free spiritually. And I wasn't angry with my abuser in that moment. I had compassion wash over me, and I said, I forgive you. In that moment, I knew. I knew how much Jesus loved me. He taught me that I could be forgiving of others. He taught me through that moment when I forgave my abuser that he had forgiven me the same way. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I want to read what I wrote here about him. There was no chasm between his heinous actions towards me and my love for him. I loved him right there in his sin, in that place of abuse. And right there, as I said so clearly and suddenly, I understood the love of Christ towards me. And the rest is really history. Right after that, just within a, a few months, two months, I think, after I got my memories back, I said, God, I, I, I want to go back to work. I want to work for you my entire life. It's all I want to do. Help me to honor this change in me, this transformation, because forgiveness doesn't just come without transformation. He wants to change you into his likeness. And I said, God, as, as, you, as you teach me to walk in your righteousness and in your likeness, give me opportunities to serve, to serve your people. And he opened up a position here at Grace Point as a part-time maintenance assistant in 2016. And I was overjoyed to be able to have the opportunity to serve servants. <laughs> oh, man. One of my favorite verses that Horatio wrote in his pain is verse 3. Here are the words when he says, in his pain, he says, my sin, oh, the bliss I don't use that word, it means great joy. Oh, my sin, oh, the great joy of this glorious thought. Here's the thought, that my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. So, what does this verse mean to Nash? Uh, that verse means everything to me. Uh, that's freedom. I was deserving um, of prison. I was deserving of death. And instead, because of his great mercy toward me, uh, he took those things away from me. He took it upon himself. Because of his great grace, 
He gave me life and freedom instead. And so that verse to me means everything. It means that I can look Carly in the eyes and say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and she believes me. It means I can look at my children and I can say, you have a hope and a future because of what Christ has done in my life. And so he has taken everything of me that was broken and dirty and unworthy, and he turned it all around. He took it all on himself, and because of that, I have freedom now. That's what I love about Nash. When, he's, when we have songs that have the word mercy in it and grace, they're not words. They're life. And if you're here in the room or watching, and you have a knowledge about Jesus but not a faith in Jesus, you're still in your sin. But he has died and rose again to set you free. Where you're at, right now where you're sitting, wherever you are watching this or here, you can surrender to Jesus. And you can say, I got a great joy because all of my sin I carry no more. Trust in Jesus right now. Nash, um, with all the pain and trials and joys and regrets and all that, um, can you say, it is well with my soul? And if so, why? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, because I believed in him. And that moment that I believed in him, I had the assurance of salvation for eternity in heaven with him. That every debt was washed clean by the blood that he shed for me. And that's what's so beautiful about this song. It's all right. You can thank God for what Matthew said. That's what's so beautiful about this song is when you know the backstory of his pain and loss. But in that moment on the Atlantic Ocean, he writes in his pain how he's been set free because of Christ and what he has to look forward to. We're going um, to finish our service singing this song. But you got to understand, this song is not a song of pain. It's a song of hope. It's a song of joy. It's a song of expectation. And I pray that you could sing this authentically, that you can truly say, no matter what you, you are in or going through, what's in your past, that you can say, because of Christ, it is well with my soul. Let's all stand as we get ready to close the service out by worshiping our God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ.
So 
Thank you for your authenticity. And I love your hat. I belong. I belong to Jesus. So if any of you are upset that he's wearing a hat, get over it. Oh, please surrender to Jesus if you don't know him as your savior. He's your only hope. I appreciate your prayers as I begin. I've been studying for a while, but I'm beginning to start putting the messages together for Revelation. I really don't want to teach that series, but I pray for your, I appreciate your prayers, but um, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for staying a little bit later. Um, it was worth it. And uh, may God bless our church as we begin a brand new ministry year next week. Got a pretty cool thing going to happen next week and uh, new times. Don't forget. And uh, may God bless you. May it be well with your soul because you have trusted in Jesus. Hold on to that anchor. Have a great week. God bless you.